Good evening, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight will be study number 5 in chapter 1. And we're reading, presently, Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. We've been looking at the Greek word, um, apocalypsis, that's translated as revelation and following that word in the New Testament, as God has used it in other places, to see that um, this word has to do with the word of God, the Bible, that the whole Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and especially in this case, the book of Revelation, which is part of the Bible. And we saw that it is God's plan to first give the word, the complete communication from himself to mankind, to seal up information in that word, and then to reveal the mystery of the revelation as God reached certain points in his overall time plan. And so he gave the word in the Old Testament, and revealed some things. He completed the giving of revelation, the written word, in the New Testament in the first century, and revealed more things. But he also kept hidden a great deal of information, sealed up till the time of the end. And at the time of the end, which began with the Great Tribulation period, God took the seals off of the book, the Bible, and began a process of revealing the final mysteries. And this went on over the period of several years of the Great Tribulation. But we've now seen and we're learning now that God has a plan in the day of wrath to complete the revelation of the mystery. It is the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And Romans 2.5 tells us that. And so this is why in Revelation chapter 10, right before the seventh and last trumpet sounds, and once that trumpet sounds, the indication would be the world comes to a final close. It, it is the end. And then God turns his attention to eternity future. And right before, at the point of the sounding of the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God should be finished. And that can only be the mystery of the revelation, the mystery concerning the hidden truths that God has placed in his word. And and so we're finding that we're learning more things about the revelation of God that have been hidden. No one knew before May 21. It took the day of judgment to actually come and to pass for us to learn that judgment day for the world would be spiritual in nature until the completion of a period of judgment upon them. And then finally, uh, they would be physically and literally destroyed with this whole world and universe. No one knew that before, but now we've learned it, that God is um, maintaining 
a consistent pattern of judgment that he started in the Garden of Eden, which was a spiritual judgment where man's soul died in the day he disobeyed God. And that pattern was continued with Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, drinking the wrath of God from a spiritual cup, not a literal. No one could see him suffering. Uh, No fire bolts were falling from heaven. And that pattern continued when God judged the churches and congregations and in, in a spiritual way completely. There was no literal throwing down one stone upon another or not one stone left upon another. But spiritually, this took place. And so on the day of judgment, God shut an invisible door to heaven that no man could see when it was open, and now no man can see with his physical eyes that it is closed. It is a spiritual judgment. So we we recently learned this, that judgment day on the world is spiritual. We also learn it's God's plan to leave his people in the world to experience a trying of their faith, a final test a fiery trial, the Bible calls it, to see if they're true men, as God proves us to find out if we're gold, silver, and precious stones that will endure the fire, or if we're wood, hay, and stubble that will be burned up. In other words, God is testing us, those who carried his word to the world in the days leading up to May 21, And if we fail the test, well, that's evidence we were never truly children of God. And actually, since May 21, we have been under his wrath as all the rest of the world experiencing judgment. And if we pass the test, if we endure, and we can only do that if God qualifies us and by saving us and and he brings us through the fire, then we have been experiencing a severe testing. So it really depends on if we're truly saved or not, whether we are presently facing the wrath of God in punishment, or if we are being tried and tested. But we've learned this also since entering into the period of the Day of Judgment as God has revealed the righteous judgment, the, the revelation of the mystery, and the mystery will soon be finished as the day of this world finally comes to a close, will will be here. Well, let's continue on in Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. Now, um, that might sound surprising to some people that God gave the revelation to Jesus Christ. Someone might think, why is that? Isn't Jesus God? And the answer is yes, he is God. And the Father is God and the Spirit is God. God reveals himself as one God but three persons. And actually this language is typical of God's salvation program as he speaks of for instance the father 
sending the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Or it's typical when we read things like we do in John chapter 5, verses 26 and 27. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment, also because he is the Son of Man. So here the Father is giving to the Son life and the authority to execute judgment. Um, a, a little further along in the Gospel of John, it says in John 17, in verse 8, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Jesus the Son is speaking to the Father, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. We we can't understand this. All we know that within the Godhead, all being equal, all are uh, eternal God. We we can't say one is God and another is not. Christ is eternal God. He has all the fullness of the Godhead in his bodily form, and yet. Within the Godhead, we we read of the Father acting at times upon the Son, the Father giving him the cup of wrath, the Son drinking it. We read of the Father giving words to the Son, and then the Son, the Lord Jesus, turns around and gives those words to his followers, to the body of believers. And that's what John 17, 8 is saying, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And this would mean that the Bible, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, was given to Christ by the Father. And and that doesn't exclude Jesus. Remember that the Son who is to be born, according to Isaiah chapter 9, is the everlasting Father. We cannot separate Jesus from the Father. They are one. And so we just uh, realize this is part of the mysterious nature of the Bible that we can only understand to a certain degree. We can know these things, that God is one God, yet three persons, but we cannot really comprehend them due to our finite nature, due to our limited capability, our limited intellect, we can only understand the truth of it and and not how it can actually be. And that's due to God's immense, infinite mind and person. He, he is above us and beyond us as the heavens are above the earth. And and so we, we just realize it is so. Well, let's continue in Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, this reminds us a little bit of the Amos 3, verse 7 verse, where God said that he will do nothing but he first revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And and God is always concerned 
with revealing himself, revealing truth, and that is the Lord Jesus, revealing himself to his people. And the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ or the revelation of God. It reveals who he is, his person, his nature, his attributes. And whenever we learn some truth, we're learning something about Jesus. And this is what God gave the word for to communicate, to reveal personal, intimate things about himself to his people that we might know God, that we might have a better understanding of him than simply realizing, well, there there's a God because we can look up and see the the sun in the day and the moon at night and the stars. We can see that there had to be a creator. And by the creation, we can know there's a God. But we cannot know too much about him. It's only by the divine revealed will of God, the revelation of himself that we find in the Bible, that we learn much more information about the person of God. And here, this is the reason for the book of Revelation and the whole Bible, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And God also has a concern as he reveals information to the elect people, to his children, that we understand some things about the future. Now, this seemingly is contrary to what the churches are telling people and, and would say to the believers. They say, oh, you have no need to know things concerning the coming of Christ. No, you you shouldn't be looking into those kinds of things. You you ought not to be too concerned with eschatology, which means the study of the end times. Uh, these things are are mysterious. Yes, and we agree with that. They are secret. They belong to God, and God won't reveal them. No man knows a day or hour. Well then why is God bothering to write a book of Revelation which concerns primarily, overwhelmingly so, the great tribulation and the end of the world? Why did God give us Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21 and Second Thessalonians chapter 2? Why did God bother moving the prophet Daniel to write down all that information about the end and to seal it up till the time of the end, the implication being at the end it would be uncovered and revealed. Why did God move Ezekiel to write about these things, and Jeremiah, and Isaiah? Why is there so much information in the Bible, so much scripture that speaks of an end of the world, and of the coming of Christ, and of a new heaven and new earth? Uh, I really... I can't imagine why God would give all this information and then hold back the knowing of it. The actual knowledge of these things where we're just supposed to, according to the church, acknowledge that they're uh, written herein. Oh, yes, we read them, but, but let us not get too close to them. 
Let us not approach them and, and touch these things. Stand back. Well, that, that's the church's doctrine. That's the church's teaching. They don't want to know these things. They're afraid of these things. It's very similar when the Lord Jesus came the first time, when the Messiah was finally come to Jerusalem. We read in the Gospel of Matthew, a very interesting account in Matthew chapter 2, in verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, th- this is this is incredible news. This is the most amazing news that the Jews could ever receive. They had been looking for the Messiah for thousands of years. Actually, by this point, the history of the world since creation had passed 11,000 years. And now came wise men from the east concerning the one to be born king of the Jews, and Herod was troubled. Well, that's not surprising because he was such an evil man. Information about the coming king would certainly rightly trouble him. We're not surprised by that at all. But but notice it says he was troubled at the end of verse 2, and all, or the end of verse 3, and all Jerusalem with him. That is, the authorities, the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders, the priests, they were troubled. Why would they be troubled? Well, because the Old Testament church of Israel is very similar in in that way to the New Testament church of our day. The Old Testament church gave much lip service to the coming Messiah. And they would publicly proclaim how they long for him to come. Oh, we're looking for the Messiah. And yet when news of his coming reached them, they were troubled. And later when Jesus uh, walks amongst them and, and ministers before them and teaches, we see their hostility. We see more troubled minds at the things that Christ has said. Why are they so troubled? Because as long as the coming Messiah is just some sort of expectation, well, these leaders of Israel, who were not really God's people at all, they were natural men, who just found themselves in positions of of authority and rule in religious things, they they could conduct themselves the way they wanted to run things, that in a in a very traditional way, they could operate things and and like a business as they sold doves and other animals in the temple, they could operate things where they received honor and respect from the people. They could give long prayers um, in public places, and and everyone looked up to them. They feared these men 
because they had power to cast out of the synagogue all these these men only gave lip service to the idea of the coming Messiah. They didn't really want him to come because then all the honor and glory and authority would switch. It would remove from them and go to the Messiah. All the people would run after him and they would cease to follow the religious leaders of Israel. So they were troubled troubled people and likewise the church today they'll tell you oh we want jesus to come come lord jesus come quickly we're looking for christ to come oh how we long for him and then what does god do just as he sent the wise men from the east long ago to bring report of the coming messiah well god opened the scriptures to reveal the date of the coming judgment of God, which would be the precursor, the beginning stages of the coming of Christ. And, and was the church, was the church excited? Were they, were they thrilled to find that we had finally reached the end times, that the day of Christ was nigh? Oh no, they didn't want to hear these things. They were greatly troubled by this information that supposedly, from their perspective, was sealed to the time of the end and now opened up. They wanted nothing to do with the idea of Christ coming in judgment. No man knows a day or hour, they claim, and and it's very much uh, along the same lines as Israel of old. They give lip service to the coming of Christ. But in reality, when the rubber meets the road, they want nothing to do with his actual coming. After all, that would interfere with their plans for a, a new church edition. It would interfere with their plans for adding um, to this program and that program and and all the religious business that they're involved in. They, in actuality, like things just as they are, thank you. Let's just continue with this, in quotes, idea of the coming of Christ, and let's keep it in the realm of the possible. And after all, every day he could come any day, although they live like he'll never come. He'll never return. They're, they're living as though there is no God. There is no Christ. It, none who can see them. After all, how could they do the things they're doing with the Bible and teaching the things they're teaching if they thought that God was coming? No, they are very much behaving themselves as Israel of old. And, and so we find that it is only the true believers who are uh, thrilled and and longing and hoping for the fulfillment of all things. And so Revelation 1.1 declares the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now we want to look at this phrase, shortly come to pass, because it's in itself mysterious. Wasn't this written in the first century A.D.? 
And aren't we living in the 21st century? And certainly when this word was given, it had in view the things that are written in the book of Revelation and in the Bible concerning the end, concerning the coming of Christ. And how could it be after nearly 2,000 years that that these things are said to shortly come to pass. Well, when we get together next time, we're going to look into this idea, and I think we'll be able to understand why it is that God makes this kind of a statement, or that um, we read in a few places, Behold, I come quickly. And in fact, it, it is so that Jesus comes quickly. And Lord willing, when we get together next time, we'll look at this a little longer.